You are Locked On Cougars. This is your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us on a Friday edition of the show. Hopefully, you guys, this Christmas holiday was great. You enjoyed Boxing Day as well, a day off. Hopefully, you guys have all got some time off here around the holidays. But thanks again for taking the time to download this podcast. We'll talk a little bit about the debacle that was the Hawaii Bowl for BYU football. We'll preview the Oral Roberts matchup for BYU basketball tomorrow night and their non-con conference finale and also catch up on everything else going on in BYU football news. Tyson Williams moving on with his life as well as another player in NCAA transfer portal. We'll have that all covered for you on today's show. It's all brought to you by our title sponsor today, Deseret First Credit Union. Can't thank them enough for their continued support of the show and thanks again for you guys for supporting this podcast. With that rundown out of the way, let's get to it. This is Locked On Cougars for December 27th, 20 What's up, guys? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thanks again for downloading the show on a Friday. This podcast is available everywhere podcasts can be found Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Essentially, anywhere you can download and or listen to a podcast, you can find the Locked on Cougars podcast. So please hit that follow or subscribe button so you don't ever miss an episode. And if you don't mind taking but a moment, fill out a review and also a star rating, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. They really do help get the word out about the show. Let's start off today talking about BYU football. They fall in the Hawaii Bowl 38-34, to and man, is that a disappointing outcome or what? I just, watching that game, I just came away thinking, what are you doing, BYU? What are you doing? Zach Wilson goes 24-40 for 274 yards, throws two interceptions. He also ran for 72 yards and two touchdowns, also losing a fumble on a play that... I wonder if, if we actually had a goal line camera, if that play is ruled a touchdown. I, I, he fumbles in. It's recovered by Hawaii. It's his third uh, turnover of the day. And I just look at this game, and everything about it said BYU should have won this game. They had it in the bag. And you go out and run a sprint-out RPO, what Kalani Satake described it as after the game, on a third and two with just over two minutes remaining. Zach Wilson is sprinting to his left, which is one of the tougher throws to make if you're a quarterback trying to come across your body to a receiver who's also sprinting left in Micah Simon, and he short-arms it. He short-arms it into the turf, and it stops the clock. BYU's forced to punt the ball away, and Hawaii gets two big passes, and they take the lead that they never relinquish with 116 to go. I'll tip my cap to Hawaii. Cole McDonald, 28 of 46 in this game, 493 yards passing. That's a Mountain West Conference bowl record. He goes for four touchdowns and zero interceptions. And BYU loses their bowl game at 38 to 34, the first bowl game they have lost under Kalani Satake. And they had that game in the bag, I felt like. Tyler Algier had carried the ball eight times for 77 yards. That's a tidy average of 9.6 yards per carry. He had a long of 36 in this game. They go out and decided to throw it on a third and two where Micah Simon would have caught the ball behind the line of scrimmage and would have had a fight for two yards to the near side with the sideline very close to him. 
I don't get that play call. I honestly don't. I don't get what BYU thought in that moment, but hindsight is 2020, obviously, and BYU fails. They pay the ultimate price and lose a game that they had control of. BYU's defense, BYU as a team, had grown into this game very, very well after falling behind by as many as 14 points in that first quarter. It looked like for a minute there in the first quarter, BYU might get boat raced in this game, and it would be over before it even got to halftime. And I'll give credit to BYU for battling back into this game, but late in this game, BYU's coaches took that win out of the players' hands and handed it right back to Hawaii, I felt like. I felt like it was a classic overcoaching move. You tried to be a little too tricky. You decided, you know what? We're going to walk up there, act like we might throw, run a QB sneak with Zach Wilson under center. We're going to sprint out. Micah, you're going to go down t- towards the sideline. We're going to get the ball to you, and you're going to fight for that first down. We're going to win this game. When you had a rushing game that had went for 231 yards and four touchdowns on the night, you, you overthought it. You overcoached it. And you, you lost. BYU lost a game where the opposing team ran for a grand total, a net total of two yards in the game. Miles Reed was the leading rusher for, for Hawaii in this game with 10 carries for 17 yards. That's going to sting, y'all. That loss is going to sting for BYU players and coaches for quite some time now. Zach Wilson, yes, not a great performance in terms of the turnovers. I felt like the first interception, it went right through the hands of Levahifo into the hands of the defender, and you can't... You can't fault Zach Wilson for that one, I feel like. The receiver, I think Aleva Hifo would tell you, I've got to catch that ball, so that interception's on me. Zach Wilson's final interception that sealed the game because BYU got the ball last and they could have gone out and potentially won the game with a touchdown. Uh, Matt Bushman tried to break off his route a little bit and drift downfield a little bit. The defender stepped right underneath him, intercepted and took it the other way. That's... There, <laughs> There's so many things to say about it, but Zach Wilson's performance, it's obviously going to cause questions about can he be the guy for BYU? I think he is the guy for BYU. Honestly, right now, I think that BYU would be smart to open it up in spring ball and let guys like Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney compete for the starting job at quarterback. But Zach Wilson carried BYU through some tough, tough games. He also lost some disappointing games. The Toledo game, he threw an interception late in the game. They ultimately broke his thumb on him missed seven weeks for. That lost that game. This game, he throws an interception that seals the game against Hawaii. But I felt like the coaching staff long before Zach Wilson, not super long before, it was about a minute in terms of game time, before Zach Wilson threw that game-stealing interception, the BYU coaching staff took that game out of the players' hands by thinking, you know what, we're going to be a little too cute on this play, and we're going to try and do something that's that was destined to fail I felt like that was the worst play call you could have made in that situation you stop the clock you're forced to punt the ball back to the opponent you give them two minutes with no timeouts remaining to have a chance to win this game what are you thinking I know that the coaching staff at BYU, looking back on it, probably would have done some things different now looking back on it. But in that moment, you had a running back in Tyler Algier who had carried the ball eight times, like I said, for 77 yards. He had been carving up the Hawaii defense. BYU as a team was carving them up. 231 yards rushing. That's an average of 5.8 yards per carry. Four touchdowns on the ground. Tell your offensive line, tell your tight end, tell your running backs, you guys get two yards, you win this game. Don't take it out of those guys' hands and give it to your quarterback and have him short-arm a pass, sprinting to his left when he has to come across his body on that throw. 
I was frustrated, honestly. I was a frustrated uh, fan sitting there in that moment. I'm more of a college football fan in general. I was just frustrated that BYU's coaches took it out of the players' hands in that situation and didn't give them the chance, you know, let's say, we are going to put a hat on a hat, to use that idiom, and we are going to dominate our opponent, we're going to pick up those two yards, and we're going to win this game. You decided to get cute with it, and you paid the price. BYU now 7-6 and six for two straight years, and 7-6 and six feels real disappointing right now when you had 8-5 and five sitting there for the taking, and you took it right away from them. It, man tough night tough night for a BYU football fan to watch that go down but BYU now turns their attention to the offseason uh yeah it's it's frustrating it really is frustrating for BYU to look at that and say you know what we had that game in the bag and we handed it right back to Hawaii but such as it is it's football it's the game of life you have to learn and live and learn and Kalani Sitake didn't offer up much in the way of explanations in the post game which I didn't expect to expect him to because that's just not his style it's never been his style even though it's frustrating as a media member and as it stands BYU you know seven and six looking towards a long off season and a gauntlet of a 2020 schedule that we need to get to at some point here in the next little bit we'll take an early look at the schedule for the Cougars as they look towards the 2020 football season all right we'll step aside here we'll come back on the other side catch you up on some of the news around the BYU football program in terms of roster moves two players moving on it appears from the BYU football program and we'll of course get you ready for the BYU and Oral Roberts basketball game here a little bit as well. Before we do that, though, a reminder for you guys that Deseret First Credit Union is the title sponsor of Locked On Cougars. They're asking all of their members right now, what is your why? What is your focus? Whatever it might be, have you thought about refinancing your home loan to save some money and help fund your passion project? Refinancing doesn't have to be hard or even cost you anything and with rates still low, now is a great time to refinance your mortgage and keep more money back in your pocket. With a no-cost refinance from Deseret First, you can get locked into a low rate for absolutely nothing and potentially save yourself up to hundreds of dollars a month guys you heard that right hundreds of dollars a month potentially going back into your wallet the dfcu mortgage team will work with you to find the right loan for your financial situation whether it's your first home fifth home or just an investment property they are ready to help call them 801-456-7070 or visit dfcu.com to apply in five minutes or less deseret first credit union you know why we show how membership in Eligibility required, OAC. Terms and conditions apply, equal housing lender. As we turn our attention to the offseason for BYU football now, obviously roster moves are going to be a big part of what's going to happen this offseason with the NCAA transfer portal. Guys are putting their names in the portal left and right. There are hundreds of guys across the country who have already put their names in the portal. BYU had guys like Joe Critchlow and Herkley Lott who already enter their names in the NCAA transfer portal. But another player joined that list yesterday in sophomore kicker Skylar Southam. Uh, you can follow me at Jacob C. Hatch on Twitter. Twitter. I helped break the news on that yesterday. I also did a nice write-up on 1280thezone.com for Locked On Cougars talking about uh, Southam's departure from the BYU football program. Now, let's be clear about one thing. In the NCAA transfer portal, it doesn't mean that once you put your name in, you're gone. Kalani Satake said he's never going to say, you know what, you put your name in there, you're as good as dead to me, you're, you're out of here. He's not going to do that. So, Skylar Southam could remove his name from the NCAA transfer portal if he so desires, 
But looking at it on its head, I don't see why he would. Jake Oldroyd usurped the kicking job from him in fall camp this year and struggled. And then when they gave Skylar Southam his opportunity in the regular season finale at San Diego State, he faltered. He made his first kick narrowly scooting in a 24-yarder and then missed two 26-yard field goals, which should be a chip shot for any kicker. One of them, he just pinged right off the upright. And it's just frustrating as a BYU fan to look at that and say, you know what, why can't we have a kicker that's reliable, especially a guy who was a U.S. Army All-American in high school out of Weber High, not Weber High School, at Wasatch High School in Heber, Utah. I combined Wasatch and Heber, Weber, you get it, and even though we have Weber up in northern Utah. Anyways, but Skyler Southam has entered the NCAA transfer portal looking for a new home. He does have an, a redshirt year available, so he will sit out and probably use that redshirt year, year next year, barring him transferring down to the FCS level or lower where he'd be immediately eligible. And I am intrigued as to where he'll land. With the move of Southam going into the NCAA transfer portal, that that means that Jake Oldroyd is now the only kicker on BYU's roster until Ryan Recco from Washington joins the roster coming up when the semester begins in just over a week now. Uh, looking at it, Jake the Make, I will call him Jake the Make as long as he's making field goals. And I felt like in that game against Hawaii, he should have been probably been three for three because in real time, it looked like that kick had made it, but the referees are standing right underneath that goalpost and they said it went either right over the top or just outside. And I'll take them at their word for it. But Jake goes two of three in the Hawaii Bowl. A nice bounce back performance after he absolutely faltered down the stretch of the season. He made 16 of 24 this season, so a tidy 67% average roughly on the season. And you'd like to see that go up. But Jake Oldroyd, just a freshman, he was a redshirt freshman this past season. And that's probably half the reason why Skyler Southam said, you know what? I don't want to spend my entire career being a kickoff specialist and getting spot duty as the place kicker. I'd like to be the guy kicking all the time, and he's going to look for a new home and wish him nothing but the best as he seeks that new opportunity wherever it may be. But Jake Oldroyd is now going to be the kicker for the foreseeable future for BYU. Will he continue to punt? Who knows? Will somebody beat him for the kicking job? I don't know, but Ryan Recco will be the only guy that will be on the roster who is expected to challenge him for that spot. Maybe they'll bring in a walk-on or two to really challenge for that in spring and summer, but looks like Jake Oldroyd has the kicking job on lockdown. Now it's a matter of can he handle kickoffs, place kicking duties, as well as punting duties. Can he do all three of those things? We're about to find out. The other news coming yesterday that Tyson Williams, BYU graduate transfer running back, has ultimately decided to go into the NFL draft rather than seek a sixth year of eligibility. If you've been listening to this podcast for some time now, I've made it very clear that the chances that Tyson Williams was going to get that hardship waiver approved by the NCAA was a long shot plain and simple. It was just a long shot that it was going to get approved. Whether he got word back from the NCAA this week that that hardship waiver was going to be denied, or if he decided just to preemptively move on, go into the NFL draft and take his chances there, I don't know for sure. I haven't heard from anybody that knows in regards to that, but I do want to wish Tyson Williams nothing but the best as he moves on with his football playing career. I don't think he'll get drafted in the NFL, but I think his early season play 
for BYU against the Power 5 opposition that they played against should get him some looks as an undrafted free agent or a camp invite at the bare minimum. I felt like Tyson Williams was on his way to having a pretty special season in a BYU uniform. I felt like he could have challenged for a 1,000 yards rushing had he stayed healthy. But alas, in the fourth game of the season against Washington, he takes a shot to his left knee and it tears his ACL and he's out for the year. I think losing Tyson Williams is it's, it's tough if you're a BYU fan because he's been nothing but a class act, a guy who really loved his time in Provo, albeit just for a short time. It hasn't even been, what, eight months that he's been here in Provo? But you can tell he really took to playing for BYU, enjoyed his time as a Cougar, and just for me speaking personally, I wish him nothing but the best going forward. Hopefully he finds a place in the NFL where he can contribute. He can play out his playing career. And if the NFL doesn't work out, maybe a league like the XFL, if it does make it through its first season, it could be an option for Tyson Williams to play in that league as he tries to get more experience and ultimately live out his dreams as a professional football player. I think now BYU very much is going to be entering the graduate transfer or the transfer portal market for another running back or two. I know they signed a couple in Bruce Garrett and Nukuleva Halu in this past recruiting cycle, but you can't count on a true freshman coming out of the high school ranks to be your bell cow back. So I would expect that BYU hits the graduate transfer and transfer portal markets hard to find somebody, shake all those trees, leave no stone unturned, as A.J. Stewart is fond of saying, and make sure that they bolster up that position. Because if they can find another Tyson Williams and hopefully keep him healthy, I think that's a very big help to BYU's chances against what looks like just an absolute gauntlet of a 2020 schedule. And I think that they're going to make sure that they do their due diligence. They're going to go out there and absolutely pursue any and all leads they can find. They'll reach out to young men who are in the transfer portal that they feel can thrive in a BYU uniform. And if they ultimately land one or two of them, We'll see what happens. But I think that Tyson Williams and Emmanuel Asupa showed the BYU strategy with the transfer portal. It can pay off. It requires a lot of homework. It requires them being patient in terms of getting admitted into school, etc. But I think it's proven itself. You know what? This is a beneficial arrangement for both sides and all parties involved. And I think that BYU will continue to use this method to get talent into skill positions that they might otherwise struggle to recruit just out of high school. So there you go. Some of the news with the BYU roster. Of course, we'll have it all covered for you here on Locked on Cougars. Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Locked on Cougars. Follow me at Jacob C. Hatch. That way you never miss anything on social media when you're not listening to the podcast. We'll have you up to date on Twitter and the other social media channels as well. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll catch up with BYU basketball. They play their non-conference finale tomorrow when they host Oral Roberts at the Marriott Center at 7 o'clock. We'll get to that here in just a minute. Before we do that, though, if you guys missed out on Christmas, you forgot to get somebody a present, I have an idea for you guys to make up for it. If you're looking for that last minute sports gift for the holidays, go to BreakingTea.com slash locked on. Breaking Tea makes sports t-shirts that are built around teams' passionate moments. They're great for all fans. So if you've got somebody on your Christmas list, go to BreakingTea.com slash locked on and then feel free to search the site for great shirts and fun sports gifts. Once again, Go to breakingtea.com slash locked on. 
All right, guys, catching up on everything that's going on in BYU sports news. In basketball this weekend, Women's Hoops opens their West Coast Conference slate in Los Angeles, California. It'll be at Gersten Pavilion taking on Loyola Marymount. That game's scheduled to begin at 3 o'clock Mountain Time. It will be streamed live on the WCC Network. There is a link you can find on the BYU Cougars website if you want to watch Jeff Judkins' team playing their conference opener. Best of luck to them as they take on the Gales down there in Los Angeles. Men's basketball has one more game remaining before they begin conference play. They're hosting, not hosting, hosting the Oral Roberts Golden Eagles tomorrow at the Marriott Center. Tip-off schedule for 7 o'clock Mountain Time. Game will be televised live on BYU TV and also live radio broadcasts are up and down the BYU Sports Network with Greg Rebell and Mark Durant on the call there. Uh, BYU faces off against an Oral Roberts team who's on a nice little run here as they come into Provo. They've won four straight games coming in, two of them over Division One opponents, two of them against lower division opponents, but you can't discount a four-game win streak as they head into Provo. They are led by preseason All-Summit League first-team honoree Emmanuel Zaweski. He is a forward who actually comes off the bench, and this is an interesting situation here. He's actually not in the starting lineup for Oral Roberts, but he leads the team. He's played seven games this year, averaging 16.1 points per game and 8.7 rebounds per game. He's a big man who's got skills in the post, a nice back-to-the-basket game. I watched some film on him, and I actually really like what he does. So we'll see what happens with him as he comes in to BYU to play. Uh, Most of the wins for Oral Roberts this year have come against not great Division I opponents. They beat teams like Chicago State, who's one of the worst programs in Division I basketball. Houston Baptist, another win there. They've lost most of their bigger games at Tulsa, at Iowa, at Oklahoma State, at Wichita State, at Creighton. So they've played some high-level competition so far this year, and they've been relatively competitive based on score lines in those games, but they've not won any. They sit at 7-5 and five on the season as they come into Provo, and I think this is a game that BYU needs to be careful of, because it'd be easy to look past them and think, okay, we're going to roll through these guys and get ready for conference play. I, I understand the whole thinking of that, but you can't do that because they have four players who average over 11 points per game. Uh, Zaweski, who I mentioned, or Zaquesi, I I probably screwed up his name multiple times here, but he's averaging 16 and 8 per game. Max Abmus, he averages 13.9 per points per game, an average of 2.1 rebounds and 1.2 assists. DeAndre Burns is more of their assist guy. Uh, he has an average of 13.8 points per game, 4.8 rebounds and 3.5 assists. And then Kevin Obanor, another forward, averaging 11.3 points per game and 7.4 rebounds. So they've got plenty of forwards who are producing at a pretty high clip so far this season. It'll be interesting to see how BYU decides to defend this, and conversely, how Oral Roberts decides, you know what, this is how we're going to play against Yoli Childs. This is a game BYU should be favored in, I feel like. I don't think that they can hang with the Cougars for very long if BYU plays their game, especially if BYU's three-point shooting continues to roll on. BYU's been shooting at an extremely high clip. It's been awesome to see. I've actually really enjoyed watching BYU this year. It's actually been a very fun style of basketball as these two teams get ready to square off. But it will make it'll be important that BYU make sure that they take care of business. The uh, Basketball Power Index has 
BYU as a 94% chance winner in this game. So it should be a game that BYU absolutely goes out and wins. Cougars obviously 4-1 coming into this. Uh, they've won their last four. So conversely with Oral Roberts winning the last four coming into this game, BYU's also won their last four. And I would expect that the Cougars should win this game, move to 11-4 in their non-conference slate, be 6-1 at home, and then get ready to open up conference play next week against Loyola Marymount and also a big-time showdown the following week at St. Mary's. So it's a big opportunity for BYU to get their final tune-up in the non-conference tomorrow night. It will be on BYU TV, 7 o'clock Mountain Time tip-off. I will be there watching it in person. We'll bring you a postcast edition of the show as well. Let you know, hear some of the sights and sounds of what we take away from that game. But I would expect that BYU should be a heavy favorite in this game. As long as they take care of business their style, they should roll in this victory and get to 11-4 and in their 15-game non-conference slate. And I that's a pretty good mark all things considered for BYU basketball all right there you go that is today's podcast thanks again for joining us has all been brought to you today by our title sponsor Deseret First Credit Union love having them on board and also breakingtea.com go to breakingtea.com slash locked on to learn more about them thanks again for your continued support of the podcast if you ever want to reach out to the show please email us locked on BYU at gmail.com is our email address and a reminder for you guys on social media we're available on all major social media platforms facebook instagram and twitter check us out follow us at locked on cougars love to hear from you guys and get your interaction as we head into the new year enjoy whatever is left of your weekend when you hear this hopefully you guys are all having a great christmas holiday season new year's coming up an exciting time for a sports fan especially if you're covering byu sports like myself we will talk to you guys soon this has been locked on cougars for December 27th, 2019.